This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Invest Talk. It is what is today? The 19th. It is the 19th, June 19th. I'm Steve Peasley, and I will make an educated guess and say that if you are the average investor, you're likely leaving some money on the table. And by this, I mean you may be suffering unnecessary losses, or you failed to get invested when you needed to be invested, or you just made some bad choices, emotional choices maybe, maybe act emotionally to the market, those kinds of things. Now, Invest Talk exists to inform and educate our listeners so they can grow and protect your money. You can grow it and protect it. If that's your objective, you've come to the right place. Now, if you're a regular Invest Talk listener, it's safe, but bet. it's pretty a safe bet to assume you are interested in money. One way to gauge your financial success is to compare it with that with others, right? For that reason, I thought this headline might get your attention. Over 10 years, over 10 years, the financial wealth of the world's millionaires has surged. Now, that's pretty obvious, right? I mean, wouldn't that be obvious? If you're a millionaire uh, 10 years ago, and the market, remember that this is 2018, so that would be 2000, you know, 2000 since the market turned, right? 2008. Uh, eight is when the market crashed, and then 2009 it turned around. Well, if you had a million dollars, the market's done very well since then. So, what's the number? Here's a clue it is calculated in trillions of dollars. Trillions. And what countries are the best or most popular or have the most millionaires in their country? So, I'm going to go over that coming up in a little bit. But now let's get to our questions. I'd like to get the questions as soon as possible by playing a call that came in earlier on our Anytime listener line, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. I have a question with real estate insurance. I have two properties in the Bay Area and was looking to increase the liability limits or getting umbrella insurance versus not putting it in an LLC. Just wondered what your opinion is on that. Hopefully you can answer the question, and I'll be listening to the answer on your show. Thanks. Well, if you have two rental units, you can increase the liability insurance on the properties uh, higher to protect your assets, your personal assets. Because what's going to happen? Something bad happens on the property. Someone gets hurt badly or or, or someone uh, decides to sue you for whatever reason. And you should have liability limits, and they should be pretty high to protect yourself. And the best way to do that, or the least expensive way, is umbrella insurance on top of the liability insurance, underlying liability insurance you have in the property already. And of course, you've got to have fire insurance, too, to protect the property. An LLC, Limited Liability Corporation, would mean you'd have to put the properties in the name of the LLC and then you insure the LLC. And it essentially does the same thing, but I believe an LLC or a corporation, S-corporation 
have a, has a few more protections in it for you individually. And here you need to start ask, talking to uh, attorneys or accountants because that's not my bailiwick. But I think that's what they do. Okay? Thank you for the question. I appreciate it. Uh, in USA Today, about the millionaires, we're gonna, it says the combined wealth of the world's millionaires rose for a sixth straight year and topped $70 trillion for the first time in 2017. And, of course, it's thanks to improving global economy and strong stock market performance. Yes, the world's millionaires saw their wealth grow about 10.6% to a record $70.2 trillion. Okay. Now, the number of high net worth individuals defined as those having investable assets of a million dollars or more, we're not talking about housing, we're not talking about, you know, your diamonds or your furniture or your cars. We're talking about money you're investing in the market. Uh, the, the, so the number of those people that have a million dollars or more grew uh, almost 10%. The fact, it shouldn't surprise anybody, right? It surely shouldn't. There's no shock here. The United States leads the way with the most millionaires, then Japan, Germany, then China. And those are the four largest countries with the most millionaires. Okay? Uh, and by the way, that those four countries account for 61% of the world's high net worth individuals, 61% of them. And U.S. is 5.3 million of them. Okay? And that's a 10% increase of those guys. The Asian Pacific region has the most millionaires overall. Uh, the whole Asian Pacific region, most millionaires all, overall. Japan uh, had uh, grew 9% to 3.2 million. China, 11% to 1.3 million. And India, 20% to 263,000. So you can see India's got a lot, lot, of, lot of room to grow. A lot of room to grow. So does China still, really. So that, I thought, was interesting facts. Wealth is becoming more concentrated, and that shouldn't surprise anybody either. Because the more money you have, the more you can make. It's that simple. I mean, if you have $50 million and you blow through it and use it up, that means you're pretty stupid. That's what that means. If you can't grow $50 million more every year, something's wrong. You should be able to do that. So anyways, I, I thought those were interesting facts. I really did. So so how is your investment plan going? Are you on track? Well, to, to retire in comfort with financial security, you'll want more than a million on hand. You really will. If you need personalized help figuring it out, you know, that's what we're here for, financial independent uh, opinions. We can do that here on InvestTalk. We can do it on InvestTalk.com. You can send me an email. Send me your portfolio. Go to InvestTalk.com. Click on the Contact Us page. And you can call the show right now at 888-99-SHART. So what's our featured talking point today? The bottomless Social Security and Medicare financial hole. Hole. It's a money pit. So we're going to get to that and talk about that. Some of the other topics I want to talk about today. A couple of billionaires, the smart guys, and some very smart money managers are worried. 
about the current marketplace. What are they worried about? That's, I'm going to discuss that. The market is not going down today because of trade. Last couple of days, it's been in the headline news. The market's worried about trade uh, wars. I don't think so. And I got some evidence to point to, to tell, point it in a direct, different direction. And finally, if you're a do-it-yourself, you know, a type of investor, well, there's some do-it-yourselfers who are saying you might need some professional help. <laughs> the ones, so they, they go over what mistakes they made doing it themselves and try to point out, here's some things you need to really watch out for. And so I'm going to share some of those too. Okay, the market down today. The Dow down 287 points. Now, that was pretty big. But the S&P was only down 21. Yeah, it was down, but 21 is not that much. And uh, uh, I'm sorry. The Nasdaq was down 21, and the S&P was down only 11. Okay. Yes, that's down. That's not good. But that's not nearly as bad as everybody thinks it is. We've had two down days. I don't find that, you know, as I said, I don't blame the trade talks or trade dispute as a reason. I think there's other evidence that is more compelling. I'm not saying that the trade issues are not important or impactful. I'm just saying I don't think that's the story. I, don't, I think that's just a tiny fraction of the story. Okay, so I think that's what we, I, I want to explore that more. I really do. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for listening to Invest Talk. I really do. I want to alert you to the exciting opportunity that you'll soon have to potentially upgrade your portfolio performance. You may have heard that I will be in San Jose. I'm there all the time. But I'll be there to conduct personalized portfolio reviews on July 18th. And space is limited, by the way. So I strongly encourage you to reserve your, your place, your time. So all you have to do is go to investtalk.com, click on Invest Talk, Invest Talk, then click Portfolio Review, and now that send me that, well, that will send me an email. So our phones are now open, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve's here on duty and ready to help you weather the complexities inherent in today's investment climate. You've got questions, Steve's got answers. Call now, 888 99Chart. 888 992 4278. Let's talk to Vitaly in Atlanta. How you doing, Vitaly? Steve, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for the call. I'm calling in regards to Oracle. Um, I own Oracle. It's O-R-E-L. Um, they had earnings today. They beat their earnings, but the stock still fell. And I'm wondering if this is a company that you recommend maybe uh, doubling down on because you think it's a good company. So I just wanted you to take a look at it and just uh, give me your recommendation on the company. Okay. The company is a very good, strong company, Blue Chip. Oracle Corporation develops database middleware and business application software and hardware systems for enterprises. 
They make money, have made money forever. They're going to make $3.36 this year after making $3.12 last year, $3.66 next year, 6 to 8% growth in earnings, 3 to 7% growth in sales. Very consistent. Very consistent company. Uh, so it, it has really good numbers. Return on equity is 23. But the price is not cheap. It's not expensive either. Vitaly is not cheap or expensive. It's right in the middle of its trading range when you're looking at the PE. So it probably has a little room to go. The upside probably between, I can see it going back up to the low 50s fairly easy. Fairly easy. It's at $46.27 now. But I don't think it's going to, you know, it's not like it used to be in there, like a lot of the big tech stocks in the 19. Uh, uh, 1990s and early, uh, you know, before the dot-com crash, where these things just are, were growing dramatically. They're now big, big blue-chip stocks, $189 billion company. So and it pays a 1.6% dividend. You would hope it would pay more, but don't buy it for growth you because it won't. But it probably will go back up to the low 50s before the year end. I can see that. And that's, you know, $52, $53 a share. From 46. So they had okay. earnings today, and they fell after market. I'm curious if they beat the earnings, what could cause the stock to fall because it fell almost four percent? Probably projection for next year, because a lot of times when they announce the earnings and they announce good numbers, and if the stock falls, it's usually because well we don't see us doing as well next year as the experts think we're going to do, and that alone drives the stock price down. Okay. okay. Thanks for the call, Vitelli. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And just thank you. In just two days, on Thursday, the twenty-first, summer officially begins. Two more days. Now, some of you have started celebrating summer early, but I remind you not to let your investments languish. Contact me anytime for personalized guidance. With thirty years of experience, I can help you. Or give me your questions right now on our anytime number. List the line, 888-99-CHART. Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where their number one mission is helping you grow and protect your money. How does KPP do that? By offering special programs like Equity Income Plus, Balanced Income, or Stable Income. Each uses a different strategy, and one is likely right for your financial situation. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. Even better, contact Steve or Justin through a message on InvestTalk. Start on the Contact Us top menu link. The lines are open. Call now with your questions, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Mike in San Jose. How you doing, Mike? Good, thank you, Steve. I was hoping if you can take a look at the symbol is YY's chart and give me your opinion, please. Sure. 
YY Inc., everybody, is a Chinese provider of online social communications platform. Sounds like, uh, uh, sounds like, uh, 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 not, uh, yeah, it sounds like Facebook to me. So it looks like it's a Chinese Facebook. They're going to make $8.01 this year, $9.93 next year. That's up 19% this year, another 24% next year. So that's very good. And sales are up 50% the last three quarters in a row. Before that, they were up almost 30% in a row. So it's really high growth. This is a very high growth stock, Mike. And it looks like the stock bottomed right around $91, $92, maybe $93 right in there. And it went up to 125 fell back down to 103 uh, back to 118 now 111 So uh, it's not overpriced. I'd say it's underpriced based on its growth rate. I think it's going to go higher. Um, and if you're going to, the chart right now might be stuck in a range between 92 93 to 140 But I think it has more upside potential than downside risk at this point. So I kind of like okay. it where it is. If you're, you're, you already own it, Mike. Yeah, I bought it today. Yeah, I, I think that I think it's a good buy. Yeah, it might go down to low nineties. If it doesn't, buy more. If it does, buy more. Don't sell, because the fundamental okay. numbers are very strong. Okay. Very good. Okay. Thank Appreciate you very it. Much, Thanks for the call. Yeah, return equity is thirty-five, which is really high. Uh, oh, management owns fourteen percent. Mutual funds are strong buyers. I mean, there's a lot of positive things going on. And, yeah, high-tech companies can get hit. But, you know, if this company, you know, if they go this, the way of uh, Facebook, it would just probably keep going higher over time. I mean, it should. You just never know. But fundamentals are telling me it's underpriced. 888-99-CHART. So the financial hole at Social Security and Medicare. <laughs> when we're talking about a whole, we're saying that, okay, let's talk about Social Security first. If a company offers pension plans and to their employees, they have to fund those pension plans while their employees are working. The same principle with Social Security. They take taxes out of our paycheck, right? And the employer has to match that. I don't know if you knew that. The employer has to match it. And it's about 12, 12, 13% each. So they're getting about 26% of your salary. To go to Social Security. So this money is building, 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 just like they have to uh, fund a pension plan. Well, the corporations, they have to fully fund the pension plans. They can't just say, hmm, well, you know, if we run our money in retirement, okay, if our employees retire, oh, I'm sorry. Social Security, you can't do that, right? They, but Social Security is totally underfunding the benefits. So is Medicare. Social Security is going to run you know, run out of money. And the solutions, there's several solutions here. Tax more, higher taxes, right? Cut benefits, you can cut benefits. Or extend the age in which new participants start collecting Social Security. And they've done that. It used to be 65, now it's 67. It should probably should go to 70, 75 years old. When Social Security was first introduced in the 19... 30s, I think it was, yeah, in the 1930s, the average person didn't live to 65, and that's when you started collecting Social Security. Now the average person lives into their 80s, and you get to start collecting at 67. 
So, yeah, they got to increase the age. How much are they underfunded? Well, about $13 trillion. That's the estimate going forward. Uh, that, that's over in the next 75 years, though, so it's a pretty long time. But $13 trillion. It's worse for Medicare. Worse. Worse. They're going to go insolvent or they're going to run out of reserves in 2026. Okay. They're, uh, they're over the next 75 years, are $37 trillion in the hole. Yeah. So where's this money going to come from? got to be higher taxes for Medicare. It's got to be higher taxes. Or do you realize that you do pay for Medicare? They're, they take it out of your Social Security check uh, and you pay like $400 a quarter. They're going to have to double or triple that or something. They're already cutting cutting payments to the doctors. Uh, they get like a quarter percent or half a percent increase every year for the next couple of years. While medical inflation is two or three, four percent per year, so the doctors and uh, uh, those people who provide the service, they're 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 losing out to inflation, so they're getting paid less and less and less. So it's pretty hard to cut them more. So it has to be benefits to us, or premiums have to go up. Some they can't keep going like this. Something has to happen. What's coming up on the next Invest Talk? One million isn't enough to retire. That's tomorrow. It's not enough. 888 chart Our podcast continues next. The process of investing is more than just picking stocks. Investing begins with savings, of course, and along the way, there are issues about taxes and then estate planning and on and on. KPP Financial clients have a ready resource of information about any and all of these personal financial matters. All they need to do is ask. Managing your money gets more complex every day, and there are more options than the average person could possibly comprehend. And when we're confronted with too many choices, research shows that people put off decisions, important decisions. Most times, that's not productive. KPP Financial's philosophy is the more their clients know, the more successful they'll be, and the more predictable their future will be. KPP Financial, serving the average investor, helping them find solutions. Now let's continue with the podcast. It's a Tuesday Invest Talk. Steve and Justin, thank you for listening. Please remember that the goal of this program is to inform and educate you without injecting unwanted bias or third-party propaganda. And now Steve's at his desk and ready for your questions. Give him a call, 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to James in New York. How are you doing, James? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for the call. I'd like to ask about um, the Fox um, Fox stock. I've had that for some time, and I know now more than ever okay. there's a lot of discussion about um, a buyout from Disney or Comcast and so forth. And I was wondering, in the mm-hmm. event that either one of those scenarios happen, is there any 
downside potential for me as a shareholder, or is it nothing but uh, positivity to come from that? If you own Fox stock, there really is no downside for you because, you know, AT&T sued and got permission. uh, They won against the government about buying Fox. And now Comcast and and AT&T are fighting over the assets are, try, are bidding, uh, there's a bidding war possibly starting up. And so the stock is shot up from, you know, from in the high 30s now into mid 40s, $44.29. So that's all good news for you, James. The only bad thing that could happen is that both AT&T and Comcast decide they don't want to buy it. And I don't think that's happening. AT&T, phone companies need content, and Fox get, has lots of content. So uh, I could see, I could see a lot of phone companies, big phone companies, trying to buy more content, and this is Fox is a perfect example. So there's not a lot of downsides potential, James, but I'll also say this: there probably is not a lot of upside potential anymore, because it's already ran up. I mean, they could offer more money. That's possible. If you get in a bidding war, you're sitting pretty. So yeah. You know, that's, and that, is, is need, that usually a cash offer? No, there'll be cash and stock and, you know, different kinds of offers depending on how, <coughs> excuse me, how good the deal is for shareholders. Uh, right now, um, it won't be all cash. That would be very, very unusual. And I don't think anybody has $82 billion dollars other than maybe Apple or some other tech company, because that's what it would take at least that kind of thing to buy Fox. Okay. All right. Appreciate the call. Thanks, James. Thank you. Yeah. They'd probably be cash and stock. I'd be hard to believe that all cash, if it's $82 billion all cash and they're going to have to buy borrowing money because AT&T and Comcast don't have that kind of money on hand. They don't. 888-99-CHART. Well, a billionaire, a couple of them actually, a couple billionaire investing guys. One is Jim Mellon. And other smart money managers are worried about the market. This is their complaints. Now, there's always people worried about the market, right? So there's, But, you know, I like to point out the good and the bad, and, and this is the worry. They, they feel there's too much complacency. People are too calm about the market. Remember how we had some uh, volatility numbers for a while there when the correction came, and we're still in that little corrective mode. But the, 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 there's not there's not a lot of worry about it. There's not uh, far too many buybacks by companies buying back their own shares. Far too many, which artificially pushes up the stock. Well, you can say artificially, or you can say, well, there's less shareholders, so therefore you know more earnings per share. You, but it kind of gives a sense that the stock is doing better than it is. Also, too much concentration, particularly in tech stocks. Now, they're predicting, uh, they're not predicting a bear market, the, most of them. Most of them are predicting a major correction. What's a major correction? Up to 20%. That would be a major correction. And they also point to the Schiller P.E. ratio. 
which sits at 32.75 right now. 32.75. What is the Schiller P.E. ratio? Well, most P.E. ratios are expressed in next year's earnings per share. So that's the Ford P.E. or last year's uh, actual earnings, and that's the current P.E. The Schilling, Schiller P.E. takes the last 10 years of earnings and averages, averages it and then compares that with the price of the stock. And the last, it's at 32.75. The high in the dot-com was 44, 44. Remember, because no dot-coms made any money. That's why it was so high. Okay, give it a little bit more rational. What is the minimum Schiller P has ever been at? Remember, it's at 32.75. The minimum is 4.8. That was 1929, by the way, because you can calculate it all back that way. What is the mean? 16.85. What's the median? 16.15. So it should be normally around 16, 17, somewhere in that range. And right now it's at 32.75. So these very smart people, the billionaires and the smart money managers, are saying the Schiller PE is far too high. Far too high. They feel it's far too high. It's got to come down. And that's why they want, they are predicting or assuming we are going to have a, a major correction. And we're going to have a correction. We, you know, it's always when, right? Just like we're going to have a recession. It's when. I can't tell you when. They can't either. They didn't, by the way, even express when this might happen. They just said that they feel this way. On the radio or via podcast, InvestHawk is a place to discover key insight from me or Justin, hopefully, and on radio and podcasts or the web, InvestTalk is also your anytime resource for learning about complex variables affecting your ability to attain financial success. There are a lot of issues to think about. So, whether dispensing tips like how to find a great stock, and remember we don't like to use the word tips, okay, when dispensing suggestions, how's that? how to find a great stock, or explanation of more broadly tailored financial planning strategies. InvestTalk consistently provides independent investment advice, which is never influenced by bias or third-party propaganda or someone trying to convince us to push their stuff. We don't, we don't listen to any of that. So bookmark it. Bookmark InvestTalk.com. You'll, you'll do your wonders. Steve Peasley will be in San Jose for limited one-on-one -on -one portfolio review appointments. The date is July 18th, and it's already less than a month away. If you haven't fine-tuned your portfolio, you may be missing all sorts of opportunities to protect and grow your money. So here's your chance to get a free portfolio review. Appointments are limited. Your smartest move is to reserve your space now at investtalk.com. Start on the Invest Talk menu link, scroll down to Portfolio Review, and then send a registration request. Steve wants to help you with a personalized review, but you need to act now. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. We're going to go talk to Cindy in the Bay Area. Wants to talk about Dollar Tree. How are you doing, Cindy? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I'm just wondering, what do you think about Dollar Tree? Is it a good time to buy? Okay, Dollar Tree, Inc., everybody, is a large cap, $21 billion 
market cap company. It has 14,334 discount variety stores in 48 states in Canada. And they offer merchandise everything at a fixed price of a dollar. <coughs> and it's growing very nicely. It makes really good profits. It's a healthy company. They're going to make $5.58 this year. That's 14% higher than last year. Next year, they're going to make $6.27, another 13% increase. The P.E. ratio is at the near low end of its range. The range is 16 to 39, and it's at 17 right now. Uh, and the sales are going up between 5 and 13% a quarter. So it's a very healthy company. The stock has fallen from $115 down to $81 or so, and it moved up to 87 in the last two or three weeks. So it looks like it's trying to put in a bottom. So is the company a good buy right here at $87? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a fair price. I think the stock is probably worth at least $105 or so. So I would say, yeah, this is probably a good place to buy it. Okay, and I notice insiders are buying, Cindy. So, you know, they like it. And uh, mutual funds are buyers as well, slowly, but they're buyers. So, yeah, I think this is a good price to pick it up. I do. No dividend. Don't pay a dividend. Thank you, Cindy. All right, thank you. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you. Let's go to John, South Carolina. How are you doing, John? Hey, Steve. I am great. Thank you for your show and for taking my call. Thank you. Uh, I have a question about Pfizer, uh, PFE, um, looking potentially to buy it. I like the dividend. I don't. I haven't seen the kind of growth in some of the numbers that I was. Uh, I would like to normally see, but I'm thinking of it in terms of buying it, getting paid while I wait to see if, it, if there's any share price uh, appreciation. But just wanted to get your opinion on it. I think it's a pretty good price right where it is. I really do. Uh, this is Pfizer. PFE is a symbol. Develops branded prescription drugs for cardiovascular and metabolic diseases and other conditions. They're going to make $2.95 cents this year. That's up 11%. And then next year, up another 4% to $3.08. It's a $36 stock. So that is um, 12 PE. And the yeah, five-year range is 12 cheap, cheap to 16. Compared to its... Uh you know, it's peers, and people are talking yep. about, you know, the pipeline, and of course, I guess that's a lot of risk there if the stuff that they've got in the pipeline gets approved and if it's uh, effective, but um, yeah. sorry, I interrupted you. All, all, yeah, every branded drug company always has, that's the thing you really concentrate on, John, is the pipeline to look for future okay. growth, but again, it's a question mark for you as well as, as anybody else, because when it, Phase one, phase two, and phase three trials of new drugs. Most drugs fail at phase three. They got they pass phase one, phase two, but they fail in phase three. So it's very hard to know which ones are going to be successful. But Pfizer has a pretty good stable of drugs. Their pipeline's a little thin, but you know these big drug companies. I mean, they're two hundred eleven billion dollars. They can buy more successful looking pipelines. They can buy smaller competitors have better pipelines. So I don't panic over their pipeline being thin, but I do think it's a pretty good price. You get 3.8% dividend while you're waiting, right. and it's at the right. low end of its range. Return equity is right. 25%. I think it's pretty good numbers. And, and mutual funds are buyers here, not sellers. 
They're buying. They've been hmm. buying for the last year. So hmm. I kind of like it. I From the fundamentals I'm looking at, and this was one of the dogs of the Dow. I don't know if you know that, but the, I, oh. I think it's got a good potential for this year. I do. Okay. Good. Thank you for your help. Thanks, John. Appreciate the call. Pfizer, PFE, everybody. Now let's get to another caller who took the time to leave their question on our Anytime Listener line. 888-99-CHART is the symbol on the phone. Yeah, hello, Steve and Justin. This is David from Fort Myers, Florida. I was just wondering what your take on Barrick Gold would be, symbol ABX. Just wondering if this would be a good play for the next couple of years and what your entry point would be. Just appreciate your show. Thanks a lot. I'll be listening on the podcast. Well, Barrick Gold Corporation, Canadian Canadian company engaged in the production of gold, copper in Canada, Peru, Chile, and nine other countries. It's a $15 billion company, so it's a big cap. And it has to boil down to what do you think of gold prices? Or where do you think they're going to go over the next couple of years? Do you, and what drives gold prices? What drives? Well, demand from India will drive it. India and China, demand for gold, jewelry, that kind of thing. India, uh, for weddings, give away gold. I mean, it's kind of a tradition. Uh, inflation will drive gold prices up. The dollar going down will drive gold prices up. The dollar's been going up, and we don't have much inflation, so those two things aren't in play yet. But you're asking me in the next couple of years, what does it look like? I think gold will be higher in the next couple of years. Uh, so I think this is a pretty decent price, but it's really hard to know. They're going to make 74 cents a share this year and 71 cents a share next year. So the stock has not performed very well this year, down for the year. Um, but, you know, looking forward is where you're concerned. Can gold prices start to firm up and go up? If if investors start worrying about the huge debt we're carrying, our government is carrying, which and they're making no effort to pay it down at all, then you might get a move up in gold prices. I mean, because we can't, at this stage, we have no effort to pay off $13 trillion in debt. And... Uh, inflation picks up, which seems to be, with a strong growth in the economy, which seems to be pretty reasonable to expect, then gold should firm up and start to go up. The only thing I don't, if there's a panic in the world, or war, big war, not just some little regional thing, that will help gold prices. Gold is kind of defensive. It's kind of a defensive position. So you can buy gold because it doesn't go up and down with the stock prices. It will go up and down on its own based on other factors. So in that sense, you get a diversification away from the stock market, and that might be a smart thing at this stage. Okay, everybody, it's Tuesday, the third week of June. It's going by really, really fast. June is. And Vestock continues for about 11 more minutes. I'm here and ready to take your call. Please make your question count at 888-99-CHART. Now is a good time to call InvestTalk. What's your question? 888-99-CHART is how to reach InvestTalk right now.
Next Invest Talk, $1 million isn't what it used to be. That's tomorrow. But now, Steve is ready and waiting for your calls. He'll have answers to your financial questions, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's go to Rohit in Kansas City. How you doing, Rohit? Hey, Steve. I'm doing good. How are you? Thank you for the call. I'm good. Thank you. Hey, uh, I have a question about the ticker AMAT. It's called Applied Materials. Yes. You want to buy actually, it? Actually, it fell uh, quite a bit recently, so I'm trying to see if mm-hmm. I, if this is the right time to enter into that. Um, I haven't held okay. any shares of this one, but uh, trying to see if uh, how how good is this? Like uh, okay. looking for like three to five years or something in the future. Uh, okay. Uh, aim, uh, apply materials, everybody. Manufacturers, deposition, inspection, and etching and cleaning equipment used in, you know, uh, making flat panel display, fabrication, those kinds of things. Um, it's going to make $4.61 this year, four sixty-seven next year. Uh, this year, that is up 42%. The reason why it's fallen off is because not much growth next year is what they're saying. Uh, so that's always nerve-wracking. Uh, when then coming up here doesn't look very strong. Mind you, it's selling for right around 11, 11 or 12 PE, and that's the low end of its range, 12 to 40. Turn equity is very high at 43. Uh, mutual funds have been pretty much steady, a little, little bit more buying in the last year than selling. Uh, sales right now are very strong. But apparently, earnings going forward is not going to be very strong, and that's why you're seeing you know the weakness this year in the stock. Having said that, it looks like it's right at strong support here at $48 or so a share, and another strong support at like $45.50. So if you're going to be a buyer of it, if it holds this area, and I'd wait a couple of weeks to see if it holds this area, this is where you would want to be a buyer of the company. Especially if you think the world economy is still going to be doing pretty good the next year or two. Because then they're, this company is very cyclical. So if the recession hits, this type of company will get hit hard. You know, but this type of company, applied materials, computer companies, computers and people make computers. And they're very cyclical with tied to the, their, their strength and their sales and earnings are tied to the economic cycle. So if you think the, current economic cycle here and the rest of the world is still going to hold well over the next couple of years, then this might be the place to buy it. Okay? Rohit, I appreciate the question. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, everybody, the market is going down yesterday and today, but I don't think necessarily because of the trade talk, the trade disputes, the trade talk about trade war. Uh, I'll give some credit to it, but I think it's more market timers being way over optimistic. And there's statistics to prove it. So if the market timers are way optimistic, and I didn't misspeak, I meant optimistic. If they're way over optimistic, that tends to drive the market down in the short price, short term. There, There's a Mark Holbert timing newsletter model out there that is at 87.6%. That means all the timing newsletters are saying, are 87.6 of them are, are um, bullish on the market. Whenever it gets that high, 
the market short term goes down. The average or neutral area should be around 35-40%. That's neutral. It's at 87% right now. And just to give you a little bit of scale, it was at 97.5% in the early 2000, just before the dot-com crash. Remember, it's 87 right now, so it's still 10 points below that, but that was pretty unusual. So it might be the market is just overbought, over-optimistic, and we're going to have a, you know some pullback because of that. And they're going to use, the. I love it when they use any excuse that's in the popular press to point to that's why the market's going down. Well, maybe that you could say it was a catalyst to spark it going down, but that's not why it's going down. Okay, so we're looking at a short-term direction here on this market, Holbert Market Timing Newsletter Index. I think that's what they call it. Okay. Appreciate the call. Appreciate it. That's it for today, everybody. I hope you learned something of value in this hour. I really do. If you like additional information, take a moment to send me a message through investtalk.com. Go to the Contact Us link. Scroll down and send me a message or a question. I'm Steve Peasley. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening today, and we'll do it again tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, which retains all rights.